Well, this morning as we uh, heard Doug read our passage, our sermon passage from 1 Peter chapter 3, I noticed that some of you had your Bibles out. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to spend our time there. I love to hear the rustling of pages. It's like the rustling of angels' wings as we turn in our scripture. You would think that with all, I see that Captain Cliff back here is turning on his Bible app and crinkling his bulletin so that we hear the rustling. You would think with all the technology that we have in the world today, you could make an app that actually has the the, the fluttering of pages and the turning of pages, right? <laughs> We're going to spend some time this morning in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 22. And as we look here at this passage from Peter's first letter, uh, we are going to kind of break it down into three basic parts. First, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, and that is the certainty of suffering. Everybody loves to talk about suffering. We love to talk about other people's suffering, but not our own. So the first part we have to look at is the certainty of suffering. The second part then we need to look at is Jesus and Jesus' victory and how it is that we can have no fear in the face of suffering. Then the third part, I, I really do hope to, to bring this back to, to something beyond just some sort of abstract promise. I, I really would like to try and bring it back to as concrete a level as we possibly can. So what that it means that we can have no fear in the face of suffering because of Jesus' victory? What does that look like in practice? That's what I hope to accomplish this morning. Now, if at any time during the next little while you, you find yourself playing with your, uh, what are those little co things called, the, uh, the, the fidget spinner? If you find yourself playing with your fidget spinner or perhaps the, the, the fact that you have your cellular device in your hand is too overwhelming a, a temptation and you go to Facebook and maybe message the people, if you do any of that, please just hear this one thing this morning. In the face of suffering, Believers in Jesus have no fear because of Jesus' victory. All right. So if nothing else, walk away this morning saying, believers in Jesus have no fear in the face of suffering because of Jesus' victory. Now, that does not give you freedom to ignore me for the next 20 minutes. <clears throat> First, let's talk about suffering. I don't know a single person that really enjoys suffering. And in fact, if I knew a person who enjoyed suffering, I would probably encourage them to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist because they need help. Suffering hurts. Suffering doesn't feel good. Nobody likes pain, whether we're talking about physical pain or emotional pain or psychological pain. Nobody likes pain. Nobody likes suffering. And quite frankly, quite often, any thought of pain, any thought of suffering causes fear, right? If I do X, then Y might happen. Y will be bad. But even the if I, that causes fear, which may lead us not to do X. So fear is a part of what it is to face suffering. We can and we do become paralyzed by fear, the fear of suffering, the fear of rejection, the fear of slander, the fear of insult, the fear of marginalization may stop us from doing what God really does want us to do. And Peter says, if you find yourself in that position, have no fear. First, certainty, uh, uh, there is the certainty of suffering. In, in his letter, uh, in the first few chapters of his letter, Peter really just echoes what he heard his Lord and Master Jesus say when he guarantees that believers in Jesus will suffer. 
Now, simply because believers in Jesus do not and will not share the beliefs, the values, the morals, and the customs of the world around them, believers in Jesus may and will suffer backlash, insults, marginalization, economic limitations, perhaps even physical suffering, or maybe even death. Suffering is all but guaranteed for a believer in Jesus. We, we kind of get a hint of this in, in our gospel reading from this morning. When, when Jesus tells his group of disciples, if you, keep, if you have my commandments and you keep them, then you love me. Well, having the commandments of Jesus and keeping them, that's, that's more than a faith of word. That's a faith of deed. If you do that, you will find yourself in opposition to the world that surrounds you, maybe even the family that you were born into. And if you do that, Jesus will say a little bit later on, if you do that, if you live in accordance to what Jesus has called you to be and do, if you rub up against and you confront the darkness of the world with the light of Christ, the darkness will fight back. It will. Now, it may simply be an insult. It may simply be a word. It may see a reputation that is impugned. It may be a physical beating. It may be even death. It shouldn't happen. And Peter says, who is there to harm you if you, realize, if you are zealous for what is good? It shouldn't happen, but it will. As that old proverb goes, no good deed goes unpunished. And if you seek to live as salt and light in a dark world, the darkness will fight back. Suffering is certain. The level of suffering will depend on your context. But suffering for Jesus, if you live for Jesus, is certain. It's so certain, in fact, that Jesus, in his first sermon recorded in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, that, that famous passage we refer to as the Beatitudes, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Let me just say, as an aside, righteousness' sake here in Jesus' speaking, in, in Jesus' sermon, it isn't righteousness as you define it. It isn't righteousness as the culture defines it. It is righteousness as God defines it. It is righteousness as he has made known. And so if you seek to live uh, according to God's plan, God's desire, if you have his commandments and you keep them and you love the Son and the Father and you have the Holy Spirit within you, you'll be persecuted for righteousness' sake. But Jesus says this is a blessing. The certainty of persecution is, in fact, a blessing. What does Peter say in verse 14? Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Most of us spend our lives trying to avoid suffering. Most of us spend our lives trying to avoid hurting. Most of us spend our lives making decisions that will mitigate the possibility of. Peter here, because Jesus said it, Peter here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Peter here says, suffering is a blessing. Let's think about that. If a believer lives in obedience to Jesus and suffers persecution for it, then that believer is blessed because faith is being revealed. If you think about that, this type of persecution is indeed a blessing. I know how weird that sounds, but it is a blessing. Jesus says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Suffering because of Jesus is a blessing because the suffering is, on the one hand, evidence of salvation and God's favor. 
Listen, sometimes bad things happen in life because we're stupid and we make bad decisions. That's true. But sometimes bad things happen in life because we're living for righteousness' sake, because we're seeking to be obedient to God. And that's evidence of salvation. That's evidence of obedience. That's evidence even of God's favor. If a person proclaims they believe in Jesus, it's really easy to say, I believe in Jesus. And it's really easy then to go ahead and live like the world around them. They won't suffer. But if a person proclaims Jesus to be Lord and Savior and then lives like it, there will come a time when in some way, at some level, the person will suffer because of it. Suffering is a certainty, but suffering is a blessing because it actually reveals our faith. And as Peter has said earlier in his letter, it is also a blessing, suffering is also a blessing because it is used by God to purify and strengthen our faith. If we paid attention to the lyrics of the song we sang as we entered in this morning, we sang exactly that. That God wants to take our faith and burn away the dross to refine it like gold. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. Through suffering, our faith is purified and even strengthened. In the midst of suffering, a believer has an option. Lean into God and endure or alleviate the suffering by leaving God. Leaning into God to endure is a blessing. As we come to know God all the more, we come to believe in Jesus all the more, and we grow in our faith all the more. Okay, part one, suffering is certain. Let's look at part two. Uh, if you look at the, first, the last half of uh, chapter three, verse 14, Peter says this, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. So rather than fear those who can cause suffering, rather than fear the context of suffering, rather than fear the suffering itself, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Have no fear. Do not fear, but honor Christ. Now, what does this mean? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Basically what this means is that you fear Christ more than you fear anything else. You honor, you respect, you set Jesus apart as different, as holy, as Lord, as Savior. And that in the light of his glory, you do not allow the darkness of fear, worry, anxiety to come. I should say it this way. You depend upon the Holy Spirit to not allow fear, worry, or anxiety to come. Basically, this means that we set Jesus apart as Lord and Savior. We set Jesus apart as the one who is to be feared. Earlier in his letter, this chapter 3, I believe it was, of, of, of Peter's letter, maybe back in chapter 2, Peter says, uh, you know, honor the emperor, but fear God. Honor and respect God. He is the one who has the world in his hands. He is the one who called all things into being through the word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one you are to fear. So rather than fear those who may insult you for your faith in Jesus, rather than fear those who may malign you because of your faith in Jesus, rather than fear those who may marginalize you within society or economically or even kill your body, rather than fear them, fear Jesus. And set him apart as holy. Now, Peter goes on to say something that, that I think is, is really, really important for us to grasp. The reason why we are to fear Jesus, to honor him as holy, to set him apart, is because he alone is the one who has conquered. 
He alone is victorious. In our passage today, chapter 3, starting at verse 18, Peter starts talking about some things that, quite frankly, are difficult for me to understand. I'll be honest. I'm okay with verse 18, right? We're talking about his crucifixion, uh, his, his, the, the fact that Christ died uh, the righteous for the unrighteous. He died so that sinners might have forgiveness. He died as the atoning sacrifice, a substitutionary sacrifice. He, he made, was made alive in the spirit as a resurrection. I get all that. But then in verse 19, Peter kind of takes me off the rails. He begins, it starts talking about Jesus going to visit spirits in prison where he proclaimed his victory to them. Now, I just want to say that, that Martin Luther, that, that brilliant Martin Luther, that German theologian who began the Protestant Reformation in 1517, October 31st, by the way, he says this, This is a strange text and certainly a more obscure passage than any other passage in the New Testament. I still do not know for sure what the apostle means. Now, folks, if Martin Luther can say, I still don't know for sure what the apostle means, I can guarantee you that I don't know for sure what the apostle means, but I'm also going to take, with all humility, a stab at it. I think what Peter is saying, he's leaning on some Jewish traditions simply to come back and say this, the reason why Jesus is to be honored, the reason why Jesus is to be feared, is because that in and through his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, he is completely victorious over all evil, past, present, and future. I think that's what he's saying. And so that even as you are standing in the face of the possibility of suffering, don't fear that, fear Jesus, the one who has already conquered the suffering. Right? We see in verse 22 that Jesus has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So everything has been subjected to him. There's nothing that really lies outside of the categories, angels, authorities, and powers. He's writing, Peter is writing in the context, the social context, the political context of the Roman Empire. And the Roman emperor, perhaps Nero at this time, could literally have you crucified, your head lopped off, or dipped in pitch and set on fire for whatever reason he wanted. Well, Peter says, you know what? Even Nero is under the foot of Jesus. And that is why you should have no fear. So it doesn't really matter in that sense what comes against you because Jesus is with you. It doesn't really matter in that sense who the enemy is because Jesus is the conquering king who's already defeated the evil of that enemy. We need to recognize that. Even in this year, 2017, things seem to be unraveling a bit, quite frankly, around this world. Just a few weeks ago, as a church in Egypt, two churches in Egypt, were preparing to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on Palm Sunday, some Islamic terrorists threw bombs, blew them up. They died. But because of Jesus, they're conquerors. Because Jesus defeated even that evil. Because Jesus, as we see, has been crucified, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. You cannot come to God but through Jesus Christ. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The resurrection, we who believe in Jesus Christ have life, true life in Jesus. And then our Lord and Savior who died and rose for us, ascended into heaven, where he is proclaimed to be victorious over 
all, where he is proclaimed to be victorious even over the primordial evil of Noah's day. There's nothing that Jesus hasn't conquered. And if you're in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if he is the king and you are part of his kingdom, then because of Jesus, there is nothing that you should fear. No fear, because Jesus is king. No fear, because Jesus has conquered. No fear, because Jesus rules. No fear, because of Jesus. 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 Jesus, the victor, gives his peace, and with peace comes hope, and with peace comes joy. No fear because of Jesus. There are things that, that, that nothing in this world can take away from those who believe in Jesus. Nothing can take away hope because our hope is in the risen Lord who has conquered. Nothing can take away peace because peace is given by Jesus, a kind of peace which the world cannot give, which the world cannot understand, and which the world cannot take away because Jesus has conquered. Suffering hurts. It's hard. But no fear because of Jesus. Now, that's part two, right? Part one, suffering is certain. Part two, no fear in the face of suffering because Jesus is conquering. Jesus is the conqueror. And part three, I know you're all looking at your watch thinking, holy smokes, we're not going to get out of here. We're not going to beat the Baptist to Golden Corral this morning. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. We're going to wrap this up. But part three, right, what does it look like to live with no fear? What does it look like to recognize that the world is sort of coming down around us, that the world is aligning against us, that the world is still in darkness, that if we live as light, there will be persecution and suffering. What does it mean to say, you know what? Darn the torpedoes, I'm going to do it anyway. Did you like how I, I cleaned it up a little bit for you? No fear. Rather than fear, honor God, honor Jesus, and be prepared. We step back to uh, verse 15, right? So facing suffering, and in the midst of it, rather than fear it, rather than shrink from it, we're called to place our hope in Jesus the conqueror and suffer well by hoping in Jesus, surrounding ourselves with God's people in Jesus, and being prepared. I'm the father of two uh, beautiful children, and I have a, a beautiful wife who's an amazing lady. When we get ready to go someplace, I basically grab my keys and put on my shoes, right? And I'm ready. But because we have a two-year-old and because we have an eight-year-old, my wife does a great job of getting prepared, right? We have a diaper bag, and there's all sorts of things in this diaper bag. It is like Santa's uh, little sack of goodies, man. There's no end, no bottom. Uh, My wife's diaper bag is like Mary Poppins' bag. Something's going to come out of there that you never expect. Why? Because she's prepared for every eventuality, right? You have a two-year-old. You're going to got to be prepared. Uh, we have Boy Scouts who are a part of our, our church. William Denny is actually beginning to work on his Eagle Scout. And, uh, you know, so being a part of a Boy Scout is that you're, you're prepared. You don't go camping uh, with just the clothes on your back and a pocket knife. Now, some knuckleheads do that, and they make a TV show out of it. <laughs> but if you want to survive, you're prepared. You, you have everything that you need. 
Notice what Peter says in verse 15, right? Set your hope on Jesus. Uh, let me back up to verse 14 here and say, uh, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Be prepared. Suffering is certain. Jesus has conquered. Be prepared. Be prepared. Peter here says, be prepared to make a defense. Has anyone ever asked you for the reason why you have so much hope? I think that, that my guess is that over the next several years, our, we're going to see our world become utterly hopeless, continually being hopeless, because what we'll find is that those things in which we place our hope will fail us. But if we put our hope in Jesus, my guess is that this can be an opportunity for us to proclaim Jesus as people ask, why do you have hope? But do we prepare for that? Have you ever thought about what it would mean for someone to ask you, why do you have hope like this? Why do you believe this? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how you would answer the question, why do you live this way? Have you ever thought about why, how you would answer the question if somebody says to you, why don't you do this? That's part of being prepared, thinking through and under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And part of the thing that we have to recognize here, folks, is that we can't really do this on our own. We can't be prepared on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to be at work in us, that, that, that gift that Jesus promised back in John chapter 14. I love that passage where he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will give you the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and he will make my presence among you. And so in the presence and in the power and in the gifting of the Holy Spirit, are we prepared to answer the question? Are we prepared? Have we put upon ourselves the armor of God? Right? In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes that our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and authorities and rulers. And God gives us armor to prepare ourselves for the conflict. Armor that is not our own. Armor that God gives. Do you wake up every morning and ask the Lord to put upon you the armor of God? To put on your arm the shield of faith, upon your chest the breastplate of righteousness, to put in your hand the sword of the Spirit, to put on your head the helmet of salvation, to put around your, belt, your waist the belt of truth, and to put on your feet the, the, the shoes that come with the readiness of the gospel. Do you do that? How can you be prepared to face what is coming if you don't? And that's something that God gives to every one of us. Something that's freely available through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be prepared. Have no fear. Pre be prepared by having a defense ready. Think about what you would say. Be prepared. Rest in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be prepared. Put upon yourself the armor of God. Be prepared by being with God's people. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. There is no such thing as an individualized Christian. Yes, salvation is individual, but being in Jesus, being baptized into his family means you are brought into a local church. You will not be prepared if you are not within a local church. Where else do you find strength? 
the presence of God. There are days where Tommy may not feel like being here, but because of other people's help, because of other people's faith, they, he, they, he is strengthened. There are, are days when perhaps someone doesn't feel like they can go on any longer, yet because they are part of the family of God in Jesus Christ, they can precisely because through them that he is strengthened, she is strengthened. That's preparation. That's preparation. Far more important than any doomsday prepper. Preparing for what is to come by honoring Jesus as holy, by having no fear, by knowing what you will say, by putting on the armor of God, by rubbing shoulders with men and women who will strengthen you when you are weak. Embarking upon the mission to glorify God through blessing people with gospel ministries that they may believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior and join us in, ki- in building his kingdom, will open this church to suffering and persecution. It will. Anytime you seek to be obedient to that which God has given you to do, to shine your light into the darkness, persecution and resistance will come. So the promises and the, the call of Peter here in this passage isn't just for individuals, it is for the church. It is for us. And so... Having received this mission, this vision from God, what we need to be able to do is say, no fear. Christ is holy. Christ has conquered. We are prepared. We are bound up in the armor of God. We are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We trust that Christ has conquered and that he will help us in what to say through the power of his Holy Spirit. Living for Jesus on a college campus, in a job, among family, friends, and neighbors will open us up for suffering and persecution. Have no fear. Jesus is conquering. Jesus has completely conquered. Have no fear. Be prepared. Surround yourself with a church. Surround yourself with the Holy Spirit. Know what you will say. Because there is no fear in Jesus. Believers in Jesus have no fear because of Jesus' victory. And that's the end of part three. And I've said this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy and gracious God, we praise you and we give you thanks for Jesus, the one in whom there is absolutely no fear for us. So we pray that you would strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit to stand firm, by the power of your Holy Spirit to be prepared, and by the power of your Holy Spirit to proclaim the excellencies of you, the one who called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We pray this for Jesus' glory and honor, for our good. Amen. Let's stand together and worship.